he talked to me after a workout and he said, what can I do to make sure that I'm going to be the Olympic champion? I said, do something that nobody else is doing after every practice. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Coach Brands, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are we hearing from? Uh, Terry Brands, assistant wrestling coach, University of Iowa. How did you first meet Henry Cejudo? First time was we walked in. Um, I so I got hired at USA Wrestling, and then I came into practice, and he was there already. Uh, Doc had brought him in, as you previously mentioned, and um, it was a really, really great idea. It was, it was innovative, and you know, basically, Doc was a father of that, and he's a father of the RTC programs. Um, he had a lot of really, really great ideas. It just took a while for him to catch on. Sometimes some people had to make them their idea before, you know, they would implement that kind of stuff. But Doc was, was very innovative that way. And, um, Angel was instrumental in making that happen. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of those things where I was super fortunate to be able to walk in, um, and and take that program over number one, but then to have Henry already there was, you know, a blessing also. What was your first impression of watching him at the practice? Fast, his speed. Um, and then secondly, after you see that, you learn about his desire and his uh, attitude of how bad he wants to win and how bad he wants to get better. Yeah, it, that's his heart and his uh, his passion for wrestling is something everyone's mentioned. Yeah, he loved. He loves to compete. He loved to to wrestle. He loved to learn. Um, he knew his opponents. He knew the um, wrestlers in the other weights from all the countries, and was was a really really great student of the sport of wrestling. And when you first got your hands on him, I think he was like it was the spring of '05. He must have been like 16, 17. What was like the one thing he needed to work on to get from where he was to an Olympic champ two years later? He needed to learn how to win and he needed to learn how to be mature. Um, and they kind of go together. You can know how to win and not be mature and it can cost you. Um, or you can be mature and not know how to win. Um, so you, you try to teach him and you try to instill the, um, the proper ingredients of you know, it's, 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 it's almost like you're raising, um, a 
person to, to you're, you're, you're raising them up to, you know, be, uh, the best wrestler in the world. But when you're doing that with, with, uh, athletes at the college or that level, and certainly even at the international level, you're still building them as people. And so you had to teach him, you know, these are the things that you're not going to get away with. And they weren't, they weren't wrestling things. They weren't training things necessarily. Often that kind of stuff. And just being a, being a high schooler, living amongst men. Yeah, it wasn't really that. It was more just, just, you know, I know a lot of high schoolers that, that weren't that way that, you know, that were a little different or maybe, you know, he, you got to remember he, he's, he never, like he would sleep in his room and he was lonely because he grew up in a house with a bunch of brothers and sisters and he was, you know, shared a room mm -hmm. with, you know, four people, probably shared a bed with Angel. Um, when I say probably, I don't want to speak for him. I kind of think I know that he did. And there, you know, you have the icy cold of that expanse in that room and you know, it's, it's new when you're, you're out of your environment, you're away from your mother for the first time. You're, it's not warm in Colorado in the, <laughs> in the, you know, a lot of the time of the year and the nights are different in Phoenix, Arizona and Colorado Springs. They're not, they're not similar climates in certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot there that, that goes on. You know, when you talk about acclimation, um, it's not just time zones. It's, it's everything mm -hmm. being away from your family mm -hmm. climate food um habits yeah you know how bright it is at nine o'clock at night you know those are all things that you know when you grow up and you're familiar with certain things for that long of a time and then you get ripped away from that and he didn't get ripped away from it but kind of he did mm -hmm. you know very similar to Doc's vision on this was similar to, you know, like, you, okay, I have this elite athlete and I'm going to give you this opportunity, but to do it, you're going to have to move away from everything that you know, mm -hmm. every piece of security that you have, you have to move away from it. And that's part of what made him great, but it's also scary. And, you know, he had to learn, he had to learn how to do that. Big sacrifice <clears throat> for yeah. a kid. Yeah. How would you say Henry and so, um, Henry and Angel are similar and different? Their love for the sport, their the way that they they study and digest and know their opponents was very similar. Um, the difference would be, I don't want to say that Angel's a better technician because I don't know that to be true, but I think that Angel was more of a studier of techniques and was more of a sampler. Um, Henry was intensifying um, his style. Like the things that Henry did in his practices was about him getting better. It wasn't about sampling different techniques or different styles. But where can I, you know, learn to build my position so that I can just be the biggest rear end kicker on the planet? And that might be the, the biggest difference. Henry's drive was fierce. Um, Angel was, he was a little bit, he was more there as a, maybe as a gatekeeper for Henry. 
Um, and I don't know if, because he was the older brother and he felt like he had to do that. I don't think it was ever spoken of, but that's just kind of how it was. Um, and Angel, he won some big matches and was very, very good. Very, very good. He was talented wise. He was just as good as Henry. Mm -hmm. Um, just their drive was different. Yeah, Angel tells a story when I talked to him before that when they were like doing camps after like in high school, you know, they were big names. Kids would come up to him and after practice, Angel would show him something. Henry would be like, get away, I'm still working. Not in a mean way. He's just that focused at practice. Yeah. Like he was there for to get yeah, better. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Now, when you talk about going to the OTC, you were at Tennessee Chattanooga before. They had reached out to you. You turned it down. What made you go to the OTC in 05? Um, it's complicated a little bit. It, it had a lot to do with what Chattanooga was willing to do. Um, they, I, I was going to go earlier and coach Jackson was awesome. Um, and you know, after I turned it down, when I went home, I was like, I didn't get anything. We didn't, we didn't make Chattanooga better. You know, we're making it better, but they didn't do anything for their own program. You know, the, the, you know, the, the university and, so, you know, when I went home and I reflected on that, it was kind of a lonely time for me because I've always wanted to work in Colorado Springs, always did. And, you know, it was one of those things where Jackson came back to me and, you know, it was, I'm going. And it wasn't like that necessarily, but what ultimately what happened was is I, I had a really deep um, appreciation for the donors in Chattanooga they gave everything to that program. And, you know, I went, when, when Jackson came back to me, I went to them and I talked to him about scholarship, the university this is, not the donors, mm -hmm. but I talked to him about scholarships. I talked to him about um, recruiting. I talked to him about just budget issues, assistant coaching, salary stuff. And I actually accepted the job, um, called, the administration and said, I'm going to Colorado. And then I hung up and then I called them back. And I go, give me the weekend. Cause they tried to, they were, they wanted me there. They were, they just tried to talk me into staying. And I, you know, I felt that loyalty piece. That's probably my, my biggest problem is, is that loyalty. I'm like a, like a puppy dog, you know, where, mm -hmm. you know, I just don't want to not, I feel like you're kind of giving up on it. So, I called the administration back. I said, give me the weekend. And they were like, okay. Well, and then I went and I remember we did some trap shooting with some of the donors and, and just some things. And I went into the AD's office. His name was Steve Sloan that Monday morning. And I said, what can you do for us? And he looked me in the eyes and no disrespect to him, but he said, this program will never be fully funded. And I looked at him and I said, I got to go. And he couldn't believe it. Really? What? I go, I got to go. I appreciate it. And when I left, they hired a brand new staff, fully funded program. So I don't know what the deal was there. I don't know. Maybe they wanted me gone. Yeah, it could be. I right. don't know. Um, but it was hard. Yeah, It was hard, but it was also easy. And that's a hard thing to explain. And, you know, the listeners are like, well, he doesn't even make sense. Well, it doesn't really make sense to me either, but the feeling makes sense. 
How excited were you driving up to Colorado once you accepted it? Wasn't excited driving to Colorado. I was fired up for the opportunity that, okay, now we're on to this now. Mm-hmm. And that's how I am as a person. And, and you know, I'm going to give everything I have to whatever I'm doing. And Colorado was no different. And, you know, driving out there was, how'd you know I drove? Just assume you would. He seemed like a man who drives I, places. I drove out there and my wife had to stay back for three months and sell the house. And that was probably the hardest thing. It was the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And um, So this is kind of like a cliche thing to ask, like, what's your philosophy? But, you know, I, I think I know the answer to it, just following the program for so long. But if there's some new people who don't know wrestling, they're listening to this documentary because they know Henry from fighting. And they say, what's Terry Brand's approach to training or what's your philosophy to training? How would you answer it's not as rigid as my reputation is. It's, it's training. My, my philosophy is get better every freaking day. And you know what? You, you do the right things to get your hand raised the right way. And that doesn't mean that when you make mistakes that you're ostracized. That's not what it means. It means that we're going to continue to build and push and we're going to get the most out of you every single time that we're out there. And it doesn't matter if, if like some days aren't physically taxing, some days aren't mentally taxing, some days are extremely excruciating from that and the emotional standpoint and the physics. So you got all four, uh, you know, emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical aspects where you're just, you know, it's one of those workouts where you're throwing it out there at them. And no matter where you're at in the training cycle, my philosophy would be that you get better at the highest rate possible. Mm -hmm. And when you're out screwing around and you're not in that, you know, that mindset, then you're wasting the gift, you know, and the gift isn't the talent. The gift is the ability to to fulfill, you know, the talent that God gives us, whether it's great physically or great mentally or great emotionally, that's still talent. Mm -hmm. And people don't think of it that way. They, They think talent is only physical and it's not. Interesting. How do you mean? I mean that some guys that aren't physically gifted are extremely mentally tough and they more than make up for it. Yeah. And some people learn to develop physically and mentally. Some, they don't have the gift, but they teach themselves how to be emotionally stable. For example, they teach themselves how to be mentally tough. Mm -hmm. Um, They teach themselves, they get better at the physical things. They can teach themselves speed. They can obviously teach themselves endurance and, and um, uh, strength and explosiveness, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, that, you know, that might not be a natural attribute to them as an athlete. Indeed. And you just don't ever give those minutes away, those seconds away and they'll practice where I'm not getting better. You just don't give those seconds away. Yeah. And it's it's even easier when you go to a competition and someone beats you and you see that you're not where you need to be. One of the examples I think of with Henry is 2005 Junior Worlds. He goes, gets beat by Basit Kudikov. I know they wrestle a bunch of times before we're all, and we'll come back to this, but he loses to Basit, doesn't place at the Junior Worlds. Um, do you remember those matches with Basit Kudikov at all? And I, yeah. How, like, what kind of wrestler was he? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a four-time world champion. Um, the only thing that, if you were writing a perfect story for Henry, was that he meets Kudakov 
in the Olympic finals instead of the Japanese guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been, and then he beats Kudakov there for the Olympic gold. That would have been the storybook, you know, if you were writing a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kudakov got behind and tried to throw him, tried, tried to throw, he got in bad position and then tried to throw because he was behind in that second period when he had lost the first period. He threw himself to his back and pinned himself, didn't pin himself, the Japanese guy pinned him. And um, so, hey so so what you know mm-hmm. but looking back at it that was the that was the matchup that henry was gunning for that man he was ready to go and it wouldn't have mattered if it was if it was anybody standing out there against him yeah and remember he lost the first period in every single match at the olympics except the final mm-hmm. and that in a, in a two out of three back when the rules were screwed up that way that was not an easy thing to come back from. No. And he had against guys like Sevdimov and Georgian. And, wow. I mean, you talk about tough. You talk about gritty and, and the things that I just talked about with uh, emotional yeah. stability and stuff. You know, and I remember he's coming in the corner and he's like, the guy's punching me. And I'm like, right here, baby. Right here. It don't matter. It don't matter. You do what you do. And he, he was so, he had so such solid resolve through all of that mm-hmm. especially since the year before at the ukraine cup he lost to velikov he lost to sebdimov sebdimov and so he was he had never beaten those guys that he had had to wrestle yeah he's and that's henry yeah that's henry do you remember when henry wrestled basique at the nyac oh yeah what happened to that match he he kudokov got caught with his Something down. <laughs> it was a great match. Have you seen it? No. It was a great match. It was four point front headlock, and you know, it was it was Henry. It was it's how he came out and prepared all the time. He was always prepared that way, and just because Kudakov beat him in the Junior Worlds those years doesn't mean that he wasn't prepared. He just wasn't good enough that day yeah and you know when you get done with the match you'd be like he'd be pissed off and but keep it keep it where it's real mm-hmm. what's the truth you know what you really know is really real and when you know that you that we're getting ready for the next one now not the next match with kudakal the next match that's in front of you and that's that's a philosophy that you learn i learned growing up and then it was enhanced a billion times with cable you know you take care of what's in front of you yeah and get the next best thing yeah right yeah so it's interesting because you know when henry wrestled in that anyway see he had wrestled his first senior tournament like a month earlier at the sunkist had a decent showing not the sunkist of the following year which is uh another story um but oh five loses to as loses to eustace goes to nyc beats basique in the semis and wins it and he's a high schooler. And then fast forward to the U S open 2006 is really where he kind of exploded for, for a lot of the lay wrestling fans who just follow the U S open. And he won that as a high schooler. Um, when you think through the memories of that tournament, what comes to mind for you, coach? Again, it's just the gritty competitor that he is. And, you know, some of that with that speed, he would get into that situation where most men would have got pushed out. 
and he would just come back around and then the guy would be have his butt in the edge of the mat and i mean it's just henry it's just henry and he was on a mission and nothing was going to derail him and in the first period against Azevedo in the finals, he loses, wins the second. And then in the third, Henry's down 1-0, fakes an inside trip. You know, he loved to do that f- big hop and inside trip, fakes it, and Azevedo responds and he throws him. Yeah, I mean, that's what your original question, the very first thing we were talking about with him, that's where that comes in, the student of the sport. He's so fast and Angel, that, that's where Angel's expertise is as a, as a coach even today, mm-hmm. is that, you know, the reaction. And he's, that's, that's Henry. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. He's going to find a way. Where did the U.S. Open stack up for your guys in terms of like importance on the schedule? It's the U.S. National Championships that sets up the, world team um trials <laughs> what do you think <laughs> it's important yeah it's important and when it doesn't go your way you know it's a little bit different when you have that leg up it's a little bit different yeah so and going into the trials that year henson wasn't at the open was he just banged up or just he's he was old he was you know and then he's like oh he's a high school kid well go win another world championship yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just about did. Yeah. We got got beat by Belikov in the semi. Um, and then Belikov lost to Kudakov, but um that's another story too, because Henson Henson had to he had to work to beat Henry. He had to work his butt off to make that team. And that's a that's a match where fourteen years age difference, it's like is the torch ready to be passed and you know a lot of questions a lot of people thought maybe it could going into it but it was one of those things where yeah you are you know you want the best for the guy you're coaching and we were when i say we our team was prepared and henry certainly was prepared to make that team and make a run Mm -hmm. for a world championship and it just didn't it just didn't go his way you run into sammy henson (laughs) What did he do really well? He's a he's the bull. He's the bull, the original. <laughs> and he's the bull for a reason and nothing but the highest respect for that guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to get third that late in your career is awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, that weight class was stacked too. I think he beat, was it Mansarov from? Uzbek. Uzbek. Mansarov, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Henry's coming off a really good year you know, wins this U.S. Open as a senior, doesn't make the senior world team, but makes the junior world team, goes and gets second to Oster Tolanoff, Tol- the guy who won gold in 2012. Oster yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like he's mentioned and before, and I, and I love the piece you guys did on Flow, um, but he's mentioned like this is where he's starting to lose a little bit of the fire and he goes to the Sunkiss Kids Open and goes one-on-one and doesn't wrestle back. <laughs> and um, then, you know, goes AWOL, you, you know, I, I'm hoping you can kind of retell the story because it's such a good story. So, what uh, what happened with that? Why did you have, have to kick him out of the room, Coach? He so I 
I don't know that he lost his way. Like, how did you phrase that? You lost said, some passion? Yeah, I don't know if he lost his passion. Nobody, I think he understood now that, so what if you're a high school phenom? You still are going to have to train. You're still going to have to get ready. You're still going to have, you can't go into uh, the Sunkiss Kids or the World Championships. And that's the difference in, you know, the Gable philosophy is you get ready for every event. And if you're not ready, if you're, if you're not willing to get ready, then you probably shouldn't go. And sometimes you think you're ready and you go and you're not and you get beat. And, and that's part of learning and, and understanding how, okay, this is what I need to work on. I, I, you know, I duped myself. And that's kind of where he was at, where that's not, I, I should say, that's not kind of where he was at. He was at where I'm a phenom. He's, he's buying all this stuff that people are telling him. And we had a couple of guys in the program that were, you know, hey, brands, yeah, that, that stuff, that's not for you guys. You guys are fast twitch guys. That's, you need to make a separation. You need to this, you need to that. And Henry, actually, he went and, you know, he left and went to train at an institution in this state for a week thinking that he was going to go to college there. And I might go ahead and go. Right. You know, you're half in here anyway. And so there's a lot going on in there. It was more about him. You know, I, he wasn't testing himself really or testing me. He was testing life. Like he was trying to find out how good he is. And then he was trying to find out, am I good enough? The age old question, do I have what it takes? And he always knows that he has what it takes, but he's trying to get away with stuff. Maybe like a, like a really, really talented NFL player that comes in, gets his contract, and then he's just there, you know, and that's not Henry. That's not him. And I think he had to learn that all that stuff that people are telling him, you know, even if it's true, it's not good for me to hear that all the time. You know, I, I, I still need to be prepared. I still need to, you know, get ready to go at the highest level. This is who I want to be. And this is what I want to accomplish. I can't do it that way. And that's what he learned. And, you know, um, when he came back and I didn't see him and then, well, where's Henry? And well, I'm, he's in Hawaii and I'm like, all right, well, I guess now we know. And then he came back and he was really sheepish. And he, I remember, I remember exactly where he was standing. He was standing at that, that door that comes into the wrestling room in Colorado Springs. And it was before it was a big room. The weight room was the room next door. And then we had the mats on the pillar and then the three mats that went down the long way. And then he came in that door and I walked up to him and I go, we were in the middle of practice. And I, you know, I hit, clock was going, I was going, keep it going or whatever. And then he walked in. So, so I walked over to him. I go, Hey, I don't have time right now. I don't have time right now to deal with this, but you're out of here until we talk, come back at five 30 or whatever. And he was like, nah, I'm going to practice. And I go, you're out. 
you come back at 5.30, we'll talk, you're out. He goes, well, I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to practice. I said, I'm calling campus security. You come in this room, we're calling campus security. Or I will throw you out myself, which I probably couldn't have. You know, I mean, you're talking about Henry Cejudo. He would have, you know, throttled me, right? <laughs> um, and so he left. And then he came back and we, we had been done. We were done with workout. And um, he came in and that's when I laid it out. I said, you're out of the room till Halloween. And it was, it was like the 3rd of October. And I go, you're out of the room till Halloween. You think about it. You go do your thing with, with that school. Go do your thing with this school. Go listen to that coach. Go listen to this coach and see if, because, hey, but if you're going to be with the U.S. resident freestyle program, you're going to do it the way you've always done it when you've been here. And that's how it's going to be. And he goes, I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I know. I get it. I got it. I can't do that. It's going to kill me. And I go, then it'll kill you. Then it'll kill you. And that's pretty much how, how we left it. And, um, did you hear from it all during that month? No, he knew. I shouldn't say he knew. I think he knew. He knew that I was serious. Mm -hmm. And Jackson, and I love Jackson. <laughs> I love Jackson. He's like, you're out of your mind. He's our best guy. You know, I go, well, we got, we got Mako and we got Mo, we got Hasman, we got <laughs> Full Heart and, you know, we, got, and he's like, you're out of your mind. You know, you ever been around Jackson? I was, that's why I was in Ann Arbor two weeks ago interviewing him. He's so him. funny. Yeah. He's so funny. He thought I was out of my mind and Rich Bender was, uh, I swear he was told to fire me. I swear he was. And we had meetings about it and I was like. And here's the thing, Jackson, when I took the job, the last thing I said before I accepted was, you're telling me that this is my resident program. And I got say with the residents, I'm not talking about national team coach, you're the national team coach. And we work great together because of that. Mm -hmm. I was subordinate to him in the national teams and, and he let me run that resident program. And that's why it worked. And they let me run the resident program. And if they would have forced my hand and it was either you or him, it would have been him because I would have been gone. There's no way that he was coming back into that room. <laughs> I would have went, I would have moved to Alaska and dig ditches. I really would have. I, I didn't care. You're not, I'm not compromising my standard. And I went through it with some of the other guys in the program too. And they went the other way where they left. Mm -hmm. And you didn't hear about Olympic gold medal contention with those guys. Right. So that's what I'm saying from, from a, uh, get your hand raised the right way kind of philosophy. You're not half in, you're either with us or you're not. And if you're not, I'm not better. I'm not saying I'm right. We're just different. We're just different. And we're going to, we're going to do it that way. And if you're not willing to do it that way, then go ahead and go. And I wish you the best. I truly, truly wish you the best. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's always been with me. And what was he like when he came back? He was very humble. He wasn't sure. Like he, when I say he wasn't sure, he knew he was coming back, I think. But he wasn't sure how I was going to be. Like people think I'm a conditional guy and I'm not. You know, that's all the hogwash and that's the way that flow and all them people want so they can do whatever they got to do to 
whatever, or Askren, you know, he's going to say whatever he wants about the Iowa wrestling program. So he gets clicks. It's a big deal, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm not that way. And I love Henry Cejudo. Yeah. And if Henry Cejudo would have left the program, my love and, and respect for him would have been the same. The same. And either way, I knew that wherever he went, he was going to commit. And he came back and he was super humble and, and he, he didn't miss a beat. The only thing that changed was he, he talked to me after a workout and he said, what can I do to make sure that I'm going to be the Olympic champion? I said, do something that nobody else is doing after every practice. That's all I said to him. And he developed this routine and he did it every, every day after practice. And it was, it was just a routine of shadow wrestling, drilling, pull-ups, push-ups, whatever. You can ask him about that. And it was the same routine. And he did that. Yeah. And it wasn't a go through the motions thing. And that's the difference with Henry. Hmm. He asked, I told him and he implemented and he implemented it not the way that I would do it. He implemented it the way that, the way I talked about him earlier, about uh, in a way that would make him the best pound for pound wrestler in the world. And that's how he, that's how he operated from that point, that point in time on. Yeah. And so that, if that was the fall, this is coming up on a, on a famous December that all the RTC guys or the resident guys have told me about where, they ran the cog like 20 days in a row during the cross training phase. What was, and for someone who's never listened before, what's, what's the cog run? The cog is just an old railroad cog. That was a cog railroad, which would be gears. It was so steep that it like a engine or a train couldn't go up it with like steam. So it was a cog, it was geared and then it caught and then it would pull its, pull the train up to the top. And it was those ties from the railroad that was in there. And it was, it went straight up for basically one mile. It's like 5,300 feet straight up. And it was a great cross training tool. It was a great, um, mental toughness check. Those guys knew that, you know, you, you couldn't be out the night before. You couldn't not get up and eat. You couldn't not be hydrated. You know, we did it rain, snow, sleet, shine. I'm sure you heard about it. We did it. It didn't matter. And I had a guy fall and he cut his hands in the snow. And the next time, you know, I got a bunch of crap from his dad who I got a great relationship and it was beer rack. And it was, uh, um, the oldest beer rack boy. And I go, you're running the cog or you're out of the program. And he came back and he had these thick gloves on these big mittens. And I was like, amen, brother. And then one of the times it was like 10 degrees outside and this guy named Jason Conine showed up in his brief with shoes, no socks, brief, no shirt, no hat, nothing. And it was 10 degrees outside and he went right up that doggone cog. <laughs> and it was like humorous, but it was, he was dead serious. Yeah. Like he, that's the kind of teammate. Those are the kind of players that we had. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever heard of Jason Conine, maybe. I love that guy. It was guys like him that, you know, that Henry was good friends with him, yeah. you know, and, and he was a big part of that, um, support structure for An uh, Angel and Henry. 
Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely loved it when he showed up. I'm like, right on, brother. So were you there? Was it always like 5 a.m. you're there or sometimes you're doing it on their own? Like what was the structure for the conference? No, I, I either did it at the same time with them or I would go early and do it. And then I would be down waiting for them and then I would send them up and then I'd wait till they're done. Oh, you would run it? Yeah. I mean. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm up there anyway. I'm, you know, wow. I need to get a workout in, right? <laughs> so you get that, you get that in and yeah, um, those guys. Those guys, that that program and that team was, it was awesome. The USOC only gave us 12 beds and we had, you know, close to 25 guys on that team. So that means a lot of guys were staying off campus, paying for their own bed. Some, we had maybe, we had 12 beds and maybe 20 lunch tickets or I mean, meal cards or something or something like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those guys were there chasing the dream and they were paying for it by themselves. And were they getting salaries? No, no. And they were, they were solid. I mean, I can't, when I talk about Conine or a guy named Ron Groves, guys like that, you know, I just, the appreciation for them and you know and they we we had our we had our differences mm-hmm. uh, but at the end of the day i think they realized that this is real i mean mako was two offensive clinches away from going to the semifinals and wrestling in yeah. the olympic semifinals i mean finish that freaking clinch <laughs> yeah you know don't print that right and no, i won't i won't yeah. yeah yeah Come yeah on, yeah and this, yeah. some other guys that I didn't know about that were influential for Henry Hosman, who I didn't even know about until I spoke to Angel, and then Kyle Sermonara. Like Sermonara, Hasman was awesome. Awesome. He he was uh, he he. Uh, when I met him in the interview, he he. I think he called it the interview. I knew right away. You're in. You got. You want a bed? You got it. Mm-hmm. He was great for full heart. Yeah, and he was twelve seconds away from beating Herbert in '09. Twelve seconds. He was ahead of him with twelve seconds to go. So this is a guy that nobody's heard of. And look at and where we went sideways with ha- where I went sideways with Hassman is he was doing his best wrestling, living in my basement. <laughs> he and said he, that, and he laughed. Yeah. And went to Stillwater for the comfort. Mm-hmm. And I, it was one of those things. It was one of them Henry things. I go, you go check it out. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. I know we don't have much for you here, buddy. But you're winning. And you're going to be the guy. And he went. And again, I, my appreciation for Bryce Hassman and my respect for him is of the utmost. No, he loves you. He was just. He, he was. Kyle Sermonaro was awesome. He was. He was uh, <laughs> at New York. What a guy. What a guy. And Full Heart, you know, I had a relationship with Full Heart and, and Mako. Tom had a strong relationship with Mako. And Mako recruited me, kind of. He came out and was like, you know, he was at Stillwater and then he moved in. You know, hey, Mako wants to wrestle in the resident program. Of course, we got a bed and a meal card for you, <laughs> you know. And he was there, he was all in. And Mola Wall, Mola Wall, I know um, it didn't end well from, especially from his perspective, but from my perspective, again, deep, deep respect for that guy. 
Um, and they were all, they were all part of that support group for each other. And, you know, it was, it was a time. And when you guys would roll the tournaments, would you go together like a college team when you're rolling the tournaments? It depended on the budget. I finally got Mitch Hall to give us a $20,000 budget, which basically got the guys that couldn't go on tour because they weren't national team that would, they could at least go on one tour overseas. Mm -hmm. Got guys to, you know, Minsk or Krasnoyarsk or, you know, Sofia or Varna. Right. <laughs> Places like that. Um so not really, but like when we'd go to the Klansmen up in, uh, um, BC and Canada, you know, we would go mm -hmm. and, you know, that's where Mako wrestled Mo because the winner of the two weight classes would wrestle each other oh, for nice. the money. And Mo took him to the third period. I don't know if you knew about that. They were, you know, th that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. and th those are guys that are out of, out of, you know, the resident program. They're out of that resident program. Yeah. It's cool to see how many guys came there, like Freyer, Bill Zadek, Sean Bunch. There's just so much, you know, Michael Martinez. I mean, so many guys. That... Bunch was, and he was right there. Mm -hmm. In 08, he was right there. How often would Henry and Bunch work out? They, I don't know if I should say this because I don't know for sure, but they hated each other as competitors. <laughs> they, they're good. I think they're good friends, but they, they, it was like two cats. It was like, you know, Black Panthers in a thunderstorm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was something else. So after Henry comes back and he gets, you know, he's all in on training. You guys are rolling. You're going hard every day. One of his big tournaments was the 07 year Regan. He takes a bronze and went three and one, lost to Basique in the second round. But, you know, three and one at the Regan is a good showing. Tell us a little bit about why people think the Regan is one of the toughest tournaments in the world. Well, it's, first of all, you travel 13 time zones. Second of all, it's, you know, the warmest it gets is 15 below zero. Um, it's Russian, you know, it's, you got 20 Russians in your weight and then you got, sometimes Japan was there, Georgia, mm -hmm. Azerbaijan, you know, and it's just a tough environment. It's a tough tournament. Um, it's just, it's like the old Tbilisi, basically when, when Georgia was at war back in the, you know, the mid nineties ish, you know, they early nineties, 92, 93, that's when Krasnoyarsk came old Tbilisi when they were at war, they didn't hold Tbilisi. Mm -hmm. And so it moved to Krasnoyarsk, which is a hometown of Ivan Yurikin, mm -hmm. who's the legendary two-time Olympic champion and coach of the Russian national team. Mm -hmm. And that's who it's named after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now it's a, it's so cool to watch the videos of like, you, know, you guys doing the jump in the river and like how much respect all the Russians give to wrestling. I mean, that's a cool part about it. Just how packed that arena is, yeah. you know, what kind of impact do you think it would have had on Henry to take a third there after coming off of all that stuff we talked about earlier? doesn't matter. It, it didn't matter. And I'll tell you a funny story about that is, I told him he had Kudakov and you should ask him, see if he remembers, but it was in Russian. He goes, I, no, I don't, no, I don't. And then he got off the mat. He goes, I wish you would have told me I had Kudakov. And I go, I freaking can read Russian. I told you to get ready. He got freaking Kudakov, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, and it was all the brackets are in Russian and 
he just, it was one of those things where he walked out on the mat and I saw it in his eyes and he looked at me. I go, I told you, I told you. And, um, by the time that me and Doc Bennett left, we were looking at a bracket that was in English and we were like, now who does so-and-so have? Oh, it's in English. And <laughs> so that's the environment, you know, you're, you're looking at that and I can read Russian I don't know what a lot of it means, but I can pronounce a syllable. So I knew that he had Kudakov, and I didn't understand what he was doing. And I like, Henry, it doesn't, number one, it doesn't matter anyway. If you got the number 20 Russian, you still got to get ready to go the same way. And then when you know it's Kudakov, you really put that eh, extra into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just looking back on it, it was kind of a, one of them weird things. And that's part of the growing, that's part of the maturity piece to me, mm-hmm. you know? So, how did the match go? I've never seen it. It wasn't close. It might have been close in scores, but it wasn't close. It was, it might have even been two straight periods. Yeah. So Henry to come back and get third is still, I mean. It's what you do. You come back and you do the next best thing that you can. And the thing, the thing there is good job. Mm-hmm. And now we're picking up the pieces and we're going to go back home and we're going to get better every single day. And when we meet him in 07 World Championships, we're going to beat his ass. You know, that's how, that's how you're thinking. And we're going to take on all comers. We're getting ready for all comers. And we're getting ready for him one day at a time, one workout at a time. Mm-hmm. And every second of those practices, and it goes back to my philosophy. And you're just never wasting anything. Yeah. So. And he, you start adding that up for months and weeks. And, you know, it, it adds up and you got the momentum going. He goes to the world team trials, takes out Azevedo, makes the world team. And as he's heading into the world championships in 07, I don't know how much this was public to the wrestling world, but his father actually passed away. Do you remember that day? Oh, yeah. That's when I really knew he was arriving. He was like, I should have done more. He goes, I listened to my freaking family to not go see him. And I should have done more. I should have been bigger. And you can ask him about that because that to me, you know, that, that, that's where this kid gets it. He knows he's ready to win now. Hmm. And that's, that was a huge, um, I don't know if he still has regret, but he certainly felt a little regret, if not more than a little at the time, because he was going to go see him and I go see him. And then his family was like, no, you know, you know how families can be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said, I should have done more. That's what his quote was. And So even something non-wrestling related showed you that he was making a jump professionally. It's all related. That's what I said earlier. It is. It's all related. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. You can tell, I could tell by the way he was living his life off the mat that he wasn't ready to go when he disappeared and left for Hawaii. Hmm. It was the things that he was doing outside of the program where I was like, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work. And there's a lot of heartache coming, big dog. And there was, and there were a lot of that heartache was off the mat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just with him getting kicked out of the program. It was with relationships and some other, other things. So. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the 07 Worlds, what were your expectations for Henry going into his first Worlds? Gosh, I mean, we're ready to go, you know. 
going to Baku, Azerbaijan, baby. You know? Into the deep, into the deep Eastern European countries. And it's the year before the Olympics. And I've asked a couple of people this. You know, you'll hear a wrestling fan say the world's is tougher than the Olympics. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. I'm just curious. Why do you think people say that? Because they want something to talk about. Yeah. It's the event that's on the calendar. It's a world championships. Get ready to go. Doesn't matter if it's tougher or not. Get ready to go. It's the next event on the calendar. It's a world level competition. Mm-hmm. You get to call yourself a world champion if you win. So, you know, the the one thing that is different about the world in the Olympics is the Olympics, you qualify and you qualify per continent. So you have like European, American, or uh, Pan American, um, Asian, Africa, Oceanics, and then your world championships qualify you. And then those continental championships qualify you. So there's only 19 to 21 guys in a weight class in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But it's the freaking Olympics. I mean, come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. It's once every four years. Right. So that's why I guess if you had an argument to say that. but It's just for people like for like me and the, the pundits to talk about. But Maybe. Um, maybe not you, but maybe the mother jag off. <laughs> I appreciate that, Coach. Thank you. Um, no, and I think you look back at that world's, you know, a lot of the questions I'm asking, if not all of them, I already know the answer to, but I'm asking on behalf of the audience who doesn't know. So what happened in Henry's first match against the Iranian? Hey, you tell me, I mean, what'd you see? I just, uh, well, I mean, I've seen it. I just, I would say typically Henry's hitting that little front headlock to that ankle pick, you know, he's got some motion going and it just it, it, the way that I evaluated is it he was, it, he just wasn't ready to go. He was in a foreign country. He's in Baku, Azerbaijan. Now you're not even in Russia, at least in Russian, you can read it. You know, you can go what the letters sound like, mm-hmm. you know, you're in this, you know, you're on the Caspian Sea. And I mean, it's just, it's just another place that you, it wasn't familiar. And he was struck. He wasn't starstruck. He was just struck. You know, there's just those, those things I talked about with acclimation. He didn't acclimate. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the time zone. Maybe it might've been the time zone. It wasn't being away from his home. It might've been being away from, it wasn't being away from Angel. It might've been being away from Angel. It wasn't all these things, but it was all of them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that acclimation piece, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to be on. And when you're not on, you have to make yourself be on. And that's a skill. That's a, that's a, um, that's part of being the best in the world, being an Olympic champion is you make the best of the thing that isn't the best. It's the best. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's what he didn't have. He didn't have that. You saw it. You described it. Yeah. Yeah. That pop. Right. You know, just to get in there and make it happen. And so he has a really disappointing tournament. He said this, and, and I'm sure anyone who goes 0-1 would say that. He's kind of in the dumps. Meanwhile, Stephen Abbas makes a comeback and announces he's coming back to the ranks. What kind of a, how would you describe Stephen's like wrestling as, as a competitive threat to Henry? Freaking Olympic silver, right? Yeah. <laughs> threat is... You know, you have another guy 
that we were getting ready for anyway. I mean, at least I was. I mean, I I know Stephen Abbott. I know who he is. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's young. And I know that we got to be ready to beat him And as a veto. And Henson's coming out of retirement, too. In my brain, you think I let that get duped on me, that he wasn't coming out of retirement? There's no way I forgot about Sammy Henson. There's no way I forgot about Sammy Henson. Now, he didn't come out. Mm-hmm. But that rigid preparation made us better, made our camp better. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when I say us, I mean our entire program, not just me and Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 everybody. Mm-hmm. It's Rollins and Mako. You know, it's it's whatever. And that's, it, it, you know, that's a great question, but. It's a foregone conclusion that we were getting ready for everybody. Yeah. And the imagination is very, very wild there. You get ready for, like I said, Sammy Henson. Randy Lewis coming out of retirement. Randy Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. the kind of approach you're taking is you're assuming they're coming anyway. Yeah. And when they finally did meet, you know, it goes to an epic match three and you know, the Olympic trials is already special match threes are like game sevens in the world series. You know, it happens once in a while you got a defending silver and the guy who's trying to take the spot. And now I'm getting chills. Um, what memories do you have with that third match? Like, wh- how would you describe it? Just knew it was one of those things that, you know, it's kind of like the Mako situation too. Just those two guys, they were, they were on, you know, they were, they were, you could see it in their preparation over the last several months. And they just were not going to, you know, fall victim to the things that they were, they weren't going to get duped. Mm-hmm. They were not going to be acclimated. They were acclimated to everything. They were ready to go. No matter what kind of a fireball was thrown at them, they were going to distinguish it. And that's really, you know, I, looking back on it, it's, it's easy to say that, but he was so prepared. It's not shocking that what happened Mm -hmm. to me. In that match, he loses period one. What kind of things are you saying to him at the break of a, of a big moment like that? Keep getting your stuff off. You're, you're there. You're there. He's fit. He's felt you. He's feeling you. He will continue to feel you, you know, build your positions, build into the things that you're really good at and force yourself without giving up position don't force something that's not there but force yourself on him in great position make him feel you mm-hmm. make him feel your speed you know those things make him feel your quickness um disappear when you can and just boom put him down yeah and when you get him make sure you plan him you know those those just this, the same stuff you know and it's hard to describe you know i've done interviews and everyone asks what's their go-to takedown his takedown the way he shoots that single it's kind of like a low single, but his head's not on the inside. And then he switches to a high crotch. Like, wh- wh- how would you describe that shot if you're talking to a youngster? The it's hen- like a uh, John Smith Gable. You know, it's like a John Smith Gable. But um, it's just, he, he's, that style, you know, those are things that you find out when you're training like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had a great partner in Bunch. That's a great test, mm-hmm. you know, every day. So yeah, you're getting ready for that that way, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what 
if you remember this, but after he wins, he comes up to you and says, Terry, we did it. And you slap him and you go, this is only a qualifier. Stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. And I believe that to the end of my life. And that the, the main focus is the gold. Yep. Yeah. So we get to Beijing and I don't know if this is true or not, or if they just put it in Henry's book, but in the book, they say that you notice that Henry was a little sluggish and like, he wasn't like maybe himself and that you had to, before this big cut, he had a horrible cut, but before the big cut, you had to work out with him or you wrestled with him for about an hour. What, what happened there? He just was off and he was kind of plinking and dinking with Angel and... I was like, all right, Terry Brands. I was talking to myself. I go, I got to get strapped up. He's got to, you know, he's got to get more out of it. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It, it, you know, I mean, he's Henry and I had my hands full and I got my, I got my, uh, you know, I got my tail whooped. <laughs> um, but it was extremely physical and extremely high paced. Um, and I don't even know why, you know, I just knew it wasn't, he, he didn't look right. He didn't feel right, mm -hmm. you know, watching him and even, even listening to him talk. And so, yeah, there, that's true. That's a true, um, scenario. Yeah. And it, it had to happen. And by the grace of God, it turned out in his favor at the end of the tournament. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just another thing you get there and, you know, people from the outside, you watch Henry Cejudo as a kid. I was two years younger than him. You're like, this guy doesn't get nervous. Like he doesn't have self-doubt. Now as an adult, we know everyone feels that. So it's just, you know, it's interesting to see that coming up to the biggest day of his life. He's not feeling a hundred percent, you know, he, and he coach had to help him out a little bit with it. Yeah. We just had to get, he, he knows and, you know, Mako did too. And, you know, Schwab and Zadik. And, you know, all, you know, Askren and, uh, you, you just, you, you do the best you can and you respond and you know, the thing is, is that when you know that you have to be able to be honest about it and then get it out of yourself. Mm -hmm. You got to either wrestle it out of you or you have to add an ingredient or, you know, add something to it. That's gonna, that's gonna push you over into that um category of yeah i'm ready i got it mm -hmm. i got it and it feels good mm -hmm. and even when it doesn't feel good it's got to feel good and it's got to feel your timing's got to be on even when your timing's not on your timing's on and you make it you will it you make it happen and he just needed a little bit of a shove and i wasn't sure how that was going to get done i just wasn't sure you yeah. so, and then not long after that, he has a, a cut. And I asked KJ about it. He said he was with DC. You and Angel were helping him. And you know, I did the story on Slay and Satiev. Slay had a horrible cut in 2000. And um, I'm, just, I'm just curious, what was, the, what was your reaction when you heard how much he was over that morning? I wasn't surprised. Again, you know, you know what's going on. A lot of the things that he was feeling with his, with his workouts with Angel was because he was heavy. And when you're heavy, you dread when you're not like, you're not in that sweet spot and, and you're not acclimating where everywhere you're hydrated and you're lean, you know, you might be lean, but you're not hydrated or you might be, you know, too big and you might, you know, and, 
it's it's not a fun thing to go through and so i was ready for it um i didn't i i know it was a hard cut and i know it was it was brutal but it wasn't to me it wasn't surprising like the days leading up to it me and doc bennett you know were like all right well we're gonna you know we're gonna have our work cut out for us on the way in day and we're gonna do what we got to do to get him where he needs to be Mm -hmm. and the thing i didn't like is i had a time set and he showed up like 15 minutes late i couldn't find him and i don't know if he remembers that for like the cut session yeah and that's where you because i you know the i'm I'm going you got to be there da 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 in 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 my mind i'm cutting that time back anyway you know, like I want it to be, I want him to be down early. Mm-hmm. That's part of acclimating to me. And that's for a performance talk that we don't have to get into right now. But, um, and he didn't show up on time. And then now I'm going, okay, you know, the math isn't making sense. The math isn't making sense with the time that's left. Mm-hmm. And so you got to go. And I talked to him very sternly and he responded awesome. Like he always did. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing something like that, are you doing like an hour on, take everything off check or do you leave it on the whole time? You know, by the clock, mm. you know, by the clock, you're not checking. Like I'm down. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you're going to go more and you don't let them. You do not let them think or take know, everything off. No. And, yeah. You, you were like, Two more because, you know, usually like with him, it was like three on, three off. You're going to go two more. You're going to go three on, three off, three on, three off, and then we'll check. And then you get him to do another one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're down. Let's go one more. Come on. Mm-hmm. You're not down by the clock yet. You're down. I look at your pant leg. It looks good. It looks good. You're probably down, but not by the clock yet. And he, he owned it. So finally, morning of... All four matches happen in one day, Olympic, for Henry's Olympic journey. So, getting your ways in the day before, gets hydrated, sleeps with Angel. You get to the arena that morning. What kind of draw did Henry have at the Olympics that year? It was, it was uh, salty. <laughs> <laughs> it was salty. It was, it was, uh, he had to run the gambit. He had to run the gambit for sure. Who was Velikov? He's the Azerbaijani <laughs> and oh, Velikov, Bulgarian. Sevdimov is a Azerbaijani. Sevdimov's a fighter. Like he's a cagey little, he's so freaking cagey and he's a fighter and he just doesn't give up position easy. And Velikov was, you know, coming on, you know, he was the guy that was going to be the heir apparent to Kudakov. Mm-hmm. and a little Bulgarian there and man the only thing I can say is Ultra Santanov was not there because <laughs> if he would have been if Russia could have had two entrants Henry probably would have had him too that's how I would say it yeah he is so tough I mean he's Henry I don't know I mean it's the time that he spends and spent the preparation Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those things that you're talking about, like with the workout and the things that had to slap him into place, a weigh-in was wrong. The sleep was going to be wrong. And it just came together because you 
you know, you want something so bad your whole life that there's nothing going to derail it. And, and being behind or being ahead, I'm going to build and I'm going to build and I'm the risk factor changes maybe a little bit in there, whether I was ahead or behind in a three, three match, but the, I'm still building and I'm going to figure out how do I have to win this situation to win this match. And that's what he does. That's what he, he that's what he did his whole fight career. Mm-hmm. You know, like his hands high with mighty mouse or mighty, whatever yeah. his name was. Mighty mouse. Yeah. He, he, messed with his head he just was like this and he beat the he beat he beat him Mm -hmm. and yeah those are the things that that are just he's just innovative that way talent great talent yeah but the competitive desire your back's bent like that and you're going to your back and you just don't you just don't and that's the part you know that's the ingredient after that match with Sebdimov, he has four hours before the finals, and Henry's walking out of the arena, and he sees USA Wrestling officials cheering because Basit Kudokov got beat, and he said that really bothered him. Why do you think that is? Because they feel like the odds probably heavily changed, and it, it, I never heard that from him before, but that would, I could see where it would, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. The reality is it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you got an Olympic gold medal match coming up. We're going to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. And he did. And he did. So, yeah, I, I, that's funny that it bothered him. But I think maybe what bothered him was that he didn't get a chance to wrestle Kudakov. Yeah. You know, it probably wasn't those guys cheering, but. He just said he's like, he's like, I already beat Velikov. I've already beat Sevdimov. I beat the Georgian. Like, why wouldn't I be able to beat Kudakov? And so when he saw that, he, you know, I think great champions, whatever sport, they make things up to give them an edge. You know, Michael Jordan makes things up, whatever. I'm sure he was getting ready for Kudakov. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Yeah. And then so. Awesome. Olympic finals, last match. And I, I the reason I'm asking this is a lot of UFC fans are going to watch this. And. You know, they're familiar with jiu-jitsu, and there's all kinds of jiu-jitsu tournaments, right? There's world champs all over. There's only one freaking Olympic Games. And so if you had to break down to someone non-familiar with wrestling, just the stakes of the Olympic finals for a wrestler, what does that look like for you? It's a lifetime for most people, and you step in there, and you have one shot to be the Olympic gold medalist. And you wrestle down to two guys left. It's once every four years. And yeah, we've had guys that have been multiple Olympic champions, but it's not a common thing. And that's what it comes down to. And that's where the interview started. And you could end it right there also that this is about who you are and what you want to accomplish. And the age old question is, yeah, I have what it takes. And, you know, you, you don't give any second away where when you're standing out there, you don't know that you are the most prepared guy to take home that Olympic gold medal. And that's really what he did is he got himself into a position where those several months in a row and he just never relinquished. And in the end, he got what he wanted. The the hard part to talk about is, is when you do that and you don't win, you know, that happens too. But not really, not really, because you can always find the 
reason to go win that match, even when it's not winnable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what separates the Olympic gold medal winners from the guys that don't win. That's it. And don't know how else to describe it. Perfect description. Our last question is, what were you feeling and thinking when Henry finally did win the gold? Well, I mean, you, you're on to the next thing as soon as he won. And I, in my head, I was on to the next thing and I was so happy for him. Here's a guy that, you know, we know his backstory with his heritage and his culture and where he came from and, you know, his mom and dad and how he was raised and, you know, how he grew up. And so that in itself is a great American story. But now you have a guy that, you know, gave, gave up nothing and left nothing to gain everything. And what do I mean by that? Well, it didn't matter because the Olympic gold medal overrides everything in his head. And he, he wanted to be an Olympic gold medalist before he moved to Colorado. That's why he moved because that was the answer. And that made sense in his head. And with his brother and with Doc Bennett's original plan, it made sense in his head. And he bought the dream and then he executed it. And that's big. And that's big. And that's why he's the Olympic champion. So don't know what else to say other than that. But if you catch what I mean by that, that's what I mean. He, like you said, he sacrificed a lot. I don't believe that. Mm. If he wouldn't have left and moved to Colorado, that would have been the sacrifice. Because how's he going to attain? How's he going to get the workout partners? How's he going to get the structure? How's he going to get the growth? How's he going to get the maturity? So he didn't leave anything. You know, I love that. He gained everything. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. If you want to watch video clips from this interview, go to our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. And to support the podcast, please buy our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!